Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday this week. Uh, we got Dan Weber, Keely York coming up in just a minute. We're going to talk about a number of different topics. USC is actually, they're actually starting their voluntary workouts on campus. Uh, last in the Pac-12 to announce anything about voluntary workouts, but they will be starting them on campus today, Wednesday, June 24th. So we'll talk about that, some of the stipulations of going into these workouts and what they were waiting for so long for all that. We'll get, get in with Keely and Dan about that. We'll also talk about the very unfortunate passing of former USC offensive lineman, Max Turek. Dan Weber wrote a great column about Max. We want to talk about that a little bit. And I had a one-on-one conversation with USC receiver, Kyle Ford. We'll talk about that. He unfortunately had a second ACL injury, the second in two years, but he was very upbeat in my conversation with him. So we'll talk about that and get to all of your questions. If you have any questions for us on the show, let us know. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too. 424-254-9141 is the number. Please subscribe on any of those podcasting apps out there. But if you happen to have an Apple phone or iPad, we do love to hear from you on the Apple podcasting app. A five-star rating does a lot to help uh, grow the show. And any kind of positive review you have, we do love to get all those as well. Keely, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't know if you've got that up right now, but if we, I don't know if we have any new reviews lately. Yeah, we have a new review from Shrek Racer who says, great podcast about USC football and gave us five stars. So thanks for that. Oh, thanks. Short and sweet. That's the five-star thing we love. And uh, Keely Yor, like we mentioned, follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name, is right here on the show. How are you doing, Keely? Hello, hello. Doing well. Excited that there's some traction as far as football getting going for USC. Nice to, to actually report on some football things these days. Football things. Yeah, well, there's like too many coronavirus things, less football things. I did. I wrote a story for uh, for my Pac-12 podcast that I went talked to every single publisher in the Pac-12 uh, for 24-7 sports to kind of get updates on where every program was. And I was saying on the show, hey, we're talking about football. And my co-host, David Woods, is like, we're not talking football. That's all COVID stuff. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. But at least it's like plans for football. So that's something. Uh, we also have Dan Weber on the line. How are you, Dan? Doing good. Doing good. Good to talk some uh, football. And they, the two are inseparable now, obviously. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, football will win out in the end. I don't know. It's going to be uh, going to be an interesting, uh, you know, back and forth between uh, I think, you know, the reality that uh, you're going to have some setbacks, and you're going to have some uh, uh, people test positive and and then what? And then how you to handle it and all of that. I think uh, I don't think we know exactly how that's how that's going to work, but uh, it's going to be kind of an interesting, uh, you know, interesting to watch it uh, develop and just see how uh, how it plays out. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. We're going to talk about. All of that uh, here in a minute. Before we do, I just want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us over the last couple of years. And if you have, uh, you're out there shopping, please be safe. And uh, we know everyone at Trader Joe's, that's the number one priority for them, trying to keep everybody safe. 
They also make a great uh, shopping experience. And I try to look at the website, TraderJoe's.com. Before I go in, uh, you know, I go in usually every week trying to find what I want. But I go on the website to find something. I'm like, I want to try this one this time. And they have a limited time offer on a lemon chest pie. So I'm a, I'm a big chocolate guy. But when it comes to pies, I like the fruity stuff. I do love fruity, different fruity pies. I want to try the lemon chest pie. Uh, they recommend uh, pairing it with a mango black tea and also any kind of a whipped cream that you want to get. They got those at Trader Joe's, too. So I'm going to try that out uh, this week. I'll let you guys know. But it's one of those limited time things. Every, keep, everyone keeps coming up to me, Keely, and saying, hey, they had this for a limited time or they had this for a limited time. And they all want me to like like I have some kind of pull at Trader Joe's. We can bring something back. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they, people say that to you at all, too. No, I don't think people think I have Trader Joe's pull, but that sounds like a very nice summer treat that you just previewed for us, Ryan. So you're you're giving the people the goods I every try. week about Trader Joe's. They do. They have they have some really good stuff over there at uh on the Trader Joe's website. So I just like to check it out. The pictures just just get me because they they do a good job of presenting it, and I'm like, oh, that's what I want to get. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I saw the pie this time. Like I think that's what I'm going to focus on. So um, nice. Are, yeah. All right. So we got to talk about player like uh, the phase one USC on campus voluntary workouts starts today, which is June 24th on a Wednesday. So we waited a while for USC to announce what was going on. And here's what's going to happen. So phase one starts today. Uh, six sports. You're talking about football, women's soccer, women's volleyball, men's water polo men's basketball, women's basketball. They'll be allowed to come on and do workouts uh, restricted. This is a restricted group of players. Uh, any athletes that are within a one-hour community university can come. There's not going to be any on-campus housing uh, during this phase. So really just local players can come back to campus. So this is kind of the initial phase uh, of what's going on. So um, there's going to be a phase two because they're not going to be allow- you know allowing anyone with uh, you know, that, that if you can't reside on campus, uh, they're not going to provide campus housing. So this is all part of the phase one part. Um, so the target goal for phase two is going to be, uh, July 6th. So then they're going to allow student athletes from anywhere to be able to come. Uh, and this is part of that pre participation process, uh, part of the second phase. So they'll be allowed to come, uh, to campus and they will be able to reside in on campus housing. Uh, during that stage. So it'll be a, a progression from the first stage. And then the final stage for voluntary workouts will begin July 13th. That will involve any new student athletes to allow from any of those six sports, uh, incoming student athletes. Um, and so they haven't determined uh, a return date for student athletes for the rest of the remaining sports. But for those six sports, uh, phase three will be kind of the main one where everyone else can come back and uh, July 13th. We got you know, statements from Mike Bone of what they're trying to do, you know, working with the city, working with local governments, working with the health officials, trying to make this safe uh, for everyone. Timing wise, it's kind of interesting. And we'll talk, we'll get to Dan Weber's uh, column about this in a little bit. But if you look at what the NCAA allows for their, uh, their, pre-se- their preseason college football calendar they released, we're already in the first part where the voluntary workouts are happening. Starting July 13th, which is the beginning of USC's phase three, where all the athletes can come back, that's when, across the country, team workouts are allowed to happen. That's including weight training, conditioning, and film review. And then a week after that, July 24th, 
is when you can actually get the football stuff going with walkthroughs and team meetings, and that's up to 20 hours a week. So USC starting this process a little bit late, but at least they have a system in place now of what they want to do, phase one, phase two, phase three. All of that is subject to change uh, because of the, you know, the, anything could happen with the coronavirus. But the last of the Pac-12 schools to actually announce some kind of uh, plan as far as these off-season workouts going, and it actually starts today. So we'll see how this progresses. There's going to be testing. There's going to be you know weekly testing, testing when players come in. Um, so we'll get kind of all of that now, but now at least we know what USC's plan is. And Keely, maybe we'll start with you on uh, what your thoughts on all of this are. Well, I think anyone who's listened to this podcast during coronavirus time will know that <laughs> where I stand on all of this. I thought it was a good plan. I thought it was very detailed. I thought having phases was smart, just in case you have a, a Clemson where you have 23 players suddenly test positive you at least do it in stages where you can kind of get a better handle on things. For me, I think that's a smart thing to do. Whether or not they're behind, I can't fully say that because, I mean, USC would be doing player-run practices after July 4th, So, and that's kind of around the time where everyone will be back for Phase 3. So for me, I know Dan's going to obliterate me right now, but for me, <laughs> I thought it was a, a good plan. Uh, but let's talk to Dan and see what he has to say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. obliterate away. Uh, yeah, I guess it is in the details. Uh, uh, I, I thought one other paragraph they could have asked, answer, uh, added to the uh, statement was, uh, for those uh, freshmen that they're bringing in July 13th to just start their pre-participation, they could have also said, and we're giving them their red shirts uh, right now because uh, how uh, it's almost impossible to imagine any of the group that's coming in for the first time and not getting here until basically uh, other teams are starting to actually practice football, uh, that there's going to be enough time. I mean, there's no question USC's, you know, behind the, the gun there. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 as much detail as there, as there was in the, the announcement, for example, one of the questions I've got is uh, they're going to work out in pods of 10, uh, but the pod of 10 includes a strength coach and a, a trainer. So basically, you're, you're only talking about eight players working out together. What, and they've got to keep the mask on. They've got to keep their, social, their distancing with everything they do. And they've got to, you know, sanitize uh, the weight stations when, when they go through it and all that. So as you probably should do anyway uh, with the weight stations. But uh, what happens if one of those guys comes down because uh, they talk about you know they're going to test every week and then uh, they're going to do uh, contact tracing if somebody comes down positive what happens if one of the eight uh, comes back positive uh, do all eight plus the two coaches get quarantined I, I don't think we've got an answer there but it would be interesting I think to, to know the answer to that how are they going to how are they going to deal with that uh, how how risky is it uh, with nobody staying overnight, basically they're you know the guys are coming together to work out now, but then they're going home, uh, back off campus. And I know they there was a strong statement about the responsibility uh, to do the voluntary workouts and then be responsible to the group for all the things you do off campus. But how dangerous is that to basically uh, not be keeping everybody you know together, and uh, you know kind of turning them loose uh that's 
could be an issue. I'm not sure that, you know, that's, that's the best way to do that. But uh, whether it was a case of USC not having the dorms be able to be opened yet, uh, to be able to not, uh, not include them there, I don't know. One of the other issues I've got is they've talked about uh, only essential personnel uh, and staff are going to be allowed to be on campus now. And that includes, you know, the strength guys, the equipment guys, the, you know, the trainers and all that. It does not include the assistant coaches. So, for example, or the head coach. And, for example, uh, where Ed Orgeron, I saw him about three weeks ago talking about how proud he was that their coaching staff had already been on, you know, back in their offices a week before that. You know, so they're like a month ahead uh, having their coaches on, on campus. And, um, you know, you could still keep your social distancing. You could keep your mask on, but you could still have the coaches on campus. It would seem to me and not to be able to bring them back to July. I I, I don't, I don't exactly get that. You know, what, what the benefit of of not allowing the coaches to be back until, uh, until July, but, uh, but, you know, at least they're back. They're starting. It's up to the kids now. Uh, and you know the staff as much as possible to to get them uh, get them back in the game. And the challenge, and I know people are probably going to get tired of this, but the challenge is you play Alabama September fifth. And the issue for USC football this year is to show that you can be as physical, as tough, and you could stay on the field with the really good programs that you have not been able to do in recent years. And now you're going to have Alabama, you know, staring you in the face with a month head start. That could be a problem. I don't know. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to tie their hands, of, you know, one arm behind their back. Uh, at this point, I wouldn't think, but, uh, you know, Alabama's in Alabama, uh, you know, and USC's in, you know, the middle of Los Angeles and, and there are all kinds of other, you know, decisions that are going on and, and other, you know, things that you've got to work your way through. But uh, uh, it's not an ideal situation at this point, but better than not being back. Yeah, I mean, I, I get I mean, you guys both have good points on this one. Um, it is getting to the point where once players were allowed to come back on June 15th, I just wanted USC to have some sort of announcement at that point um, to wait, you know, whatever eight days or nine days or whatever after that, and then have really this phased approach. I agree with Dan. Like, I think you could have had guys come back with that phase one thing where it's just, you're already, you're not, you're not, you know, providing housing or anything like that. And we don't know what's going on behind there where, why this was, you know, taking longer, you know, UCLA announced, I think over a week ago, um, I did do that PAC 12, uh, for our PAC 12 podcast, the podcast of champions. You know, there was a lot you know, the rest of the Pac-12 outside of California, those guys were back and they were, they were working out. It was the California schools that were a little further behind and and Stanford still far behind. They, they're not really fully back yet either, but they because they don't have on campus housing yet. They haven't announced when that's going to happen. They sort of just entered phase one, maybe a little before USC. USC might lap them and, and go into phase two before Stanford's back doing, you know, still in their what their phase one or they're just whatever they're back at. It's sort of like what USC's phase one is. So we'll see how that progresses. But I thought you could at least bring people back for this kind of limited action where you're not housing them. 
they're living in their wherever they live and they can come into campus and uh, and and take part there. So, yeah, I mean, maybe a little further behind, but there is I, I think you're starting getting close to the concern where July 13th, that isn't like, you know, they're not going to be full practicing then, but, you know, they're the full team is going to be together. Uh, at that point. So it's not like Alabama is going to be practicing in pads or something July 13th, but the following week they're going to be doing walkthroughs and stuff. And will the freshmen that just arrived the week before be ready to do that kind of stuff? It's probably going to take them, you know, a week or two just to kind of get acclimated. So I feel like there was, you know, we're losing time as far as like making it a competitive, you know, keeping that competitive sameness, I guess you could say between all the different programs. Um, but, you know, in the Pac-12, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But playing in Alabama, it's going to be, you know, a little bit bigger of a deal. Is that something USC should just abandon health concerns? No. I mean, they're, they're living a different government, you know, overseeing them and all that stuff. Uh, and it's hard to say. We don't know what, what, why this has been limited as far as, like, when they were going to announce. And I mean, they announced on Tuesday evening that players are going to be came, coming back on Wednesday. So, I mean, it sounds like they were really kind of working this and trying to get it out as fast as they could, but it just, there were delays or whatever. It took this long to get it out there. As soon as they figured something out, it seems like they announced it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Keely. I, I see what you're saying, but I get Dan's point too, Keely, that, you know, this is, you do have to play Alabama and they've been working out. They're going to have a month head start on you. You know, the, 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 the big issue I thought was that if you looked at what most of the really big time programs did, uh, whether they were going to start June 8th, the way the SEC was, or Ohio State, or June 15th, the way the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were, many of them brought their players in early to do all the pre-participation stuff, all the testing, all the going over the rule, all of that kind of thing. They didn't start working out, but they hit them on campus. So on day one, they could completely do everything they want to do. If you just bring them in, let's say today, you still have to do all the COVID testing, all the physical testing, all of that kind of stuff, all the evaluations and, and what have you. Uh, and that either it's going to be hurried or compressed, or you're not going to get as much, uh, uh, you know, out of the, 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 you know, the physical workouts. I don't know what pre pre prohibited USC from bringing people on even before they were going to go work out to do all the physical and, and medical evaluations like so many other places did. I think that was a, that kind of a big mistake to me. Yeah. What do you think, Keely? I mean, my understanding was that the parents had the meeting last week as far as what they were going to do. And the pre-preparation process was done at home before you even get on campus. So I assume that happened last week. And so now on Wednesday, everyone has been initially screened. And then you're at the point where you're just having your your fever, your temperature taken, and then you're doing your physical. So, I mean, like, on the whole, I see your guys' points. But at the same time, like, they're in a pandemic. We're all in a pandemic. And it's not going to be competitively equal, quote unquote, just in the sense of everyone's governed di differently, depending on where they are county and state so I don't know it, to me it just seems like I I don't know it doesn't seem like something to be making that big of a fuss with because mm. it's going to be different no matter what you know and, and seeing how USC has done their schedule prior years non-pandemic it felt like everything got kicked up in July and it looks like that's what they're planning for to me the concern will come when we see what's happening in July and how seriously they take everything and how things are going and how we are as a nation in July as far as coronavirus and whatnot. So 
to me, I, I'm not going to split hairs right now. I just want to see what it happens once phase three is, is enacted and the NCAA says everyone can be back for mandatory, uh, activity. So to me, I'm, I'm kind of in a wait and see mode right now. Yeah. And one of the things, um, I, you know, I talked to a USC spokesperson to, for my story for the PAC 12 podcast, because when I did the story, USC hadn't announced its plans yet. They just announced Tuesday night. Um, you know, we recorded our show, I think it was on Monday. So we I needed to get everything together on Monday. Now we know what USC's plans are. So we couldn't, I couldn't really report it during that time, but they were basically saying that, you know, they weren't in a hurry. It was more about, they want to learn from what other people are doing. And you know, who knows USC might look good when all, you know, they they do a better job because they're starting later and other people have issues. I don't know. I mean, but I think they were, they were like trying to make sure that this was done correctly. They wanted to get all the, you know, dot all the I's, cross all the T's and see what other people are doing. And, you know, now we have an announcement for baseball. It's out, you know, we're seeing stuff get sorted out for basketball, college football. It all might come to a crashing halt at some point. Cause like Keely said, we're, we're still in a pandemic, but at least now we know USC is kind of going in that right direction. Any thoughts, Dan? <laughs> I know Dan's not happy. I was, Sorry. I was just thinking, uh, having grown up in Kentucky and with horse racing, uh, we used to have, they, they don't have them as much anymore, but they had uh, races that were always handicapped. The so-and-so, you know, the Lexington handicap or whatever. And in those races, some horses would have to run with full 126 pounds of weight. And the other horses, fillies or, you know, horses that had never won, they got to race with, say, 111 pounds or whatever. And I'm thinking, maybe there's a way to handicap the opener. Whereas, you know, the USC guys, I don't know, it's uh, five yards for a first down, you know, instead of 10 or whatever. No, I'm just, I'm being, a, being kind of a wise guy. But there, there will not be, you can say we got handicapped or we got a late start or whatever. None of that's going to matter when they kick it off. And, uh, you know, having that. You know, USC Alabama matchup uh, that matters so much, not only for USC, for the Pac 12, and in so many ways for this sort of newly constituted USC coaching staff, it really matters. And you'd like to see them just in things like letting the coaches be back in their offices, for gosh sakes, uh, just little things like that, uh, where you, you know, other people have their coaches back in the offices. it's things like that you just say why and you know you need all the help you can get at this point and i still think usc can go down and 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 play alabama i think they've got some real advantages you know in that matchup but you want to see those have a chance to play out and uh you know whatever you could do uh and, and again alabama is not dealing with the uh, los angeles county health department right now you know it, that's just a, a reality. Nick Saban, although you would like to see probably Nick Saban meet with the LA County Health Department in determining how his football team was going to practice, that would probably be a really uh, worthwhile uh, thing to <laughs> <the> watch uh, <laughs> on how that would play out. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, we just, you know, USC fans, cross your fingers and, and hope, uh, hope they've got enough talent to. Uh, to overcome this and maybe the players, you know, this is one of those things where on their own, they make up their minds that we're not going to let this knock us back. We're not going to let this, you know, keep us from being the team that we really wanted to be the last few years and, and, and didn't have the ability to be. And maybe, 
you know, this year uh, we get turned loose and we practice the right way, all, all of that, once we get started. And, uh, and, and, and they take it in their own hands and, and they, they make it happen. And that'd be great. Yeah. One real quick thing before we get off of this one. Um, this is what I fear just in the back of my head, guys. And let me just tell me that I'm, I'm just being hysterical. Don't, I don't need to worry about this. Uh, USC gets going. I mean, the season happens, which is, you know, and everyone's safe. Most important part. We want everyone safe. You do start the season on time. You know, USC didn't really get the practice right away. Maybe their, their, their fall camps cut a little short or whatever it is. Uh, certainly there'll be less preparation than their opening opponent. Alabama steamrolls USC. And then we start to hear excuses. Well, they couldn't get started early. So that's why they lost. Uh, I don't even want to have to, like, there's going to be so many storylines I don't want to deal with. That is certainly one I do not even want to hear about. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Why give anybody, uh, you know, a crutch to lean on or an excuse to, to you know, build on? I mean, and you've, you've got to play through that. Uh, and yet it's the reality. And, uh, you know, just the idea that this is the year that Alabama is the team sitting there. And an Alabama team that has a whole lot in their own minds, a whole lot to prove. And uh, looking at USC as the perfect foil uh, to be able to, you know, prove it against. In some ways, that puts USC in a good position. I mean, you know, those Alabama kids, I don't know how many of them were still there from 2016. But they remember USC was pretty much a pretender in Cardinal and Gold. That wasn't, you know, a real USC football team. And, you know, if you can get this team to be that team, I think that's an advantage. But, um, uh, you know, make it happen. Uh, It's up to USC at this point, no matter what, you know, they get limited, however they're limited, you know, to be able to make it happen. And, you know, you got it. That's how you got to think. You're going to make it happen. Um, Keely, any thoughts on that before we move on? I just wanted to do one quick clarification. Dan's point about freshmen coming in, it's worth noting that like this 2020 class had a ton of freshmen that were going to be redshirted anyway. Like I'm looking at the the 50 million offensive linemen that they got, but uh, the early enrollees like Gary Bryan Jr., Josh Jackson, and maybe even Kobe Pepe, they were early enrollees. So I believe they would count as returning uh, since they did participate in the one spring practice so i think that's worth noting that they will be back as far as local guys uh on that uh, on today versus yeah July yeah I think that's exactly correct and i think that's exactly the one thing you take out of it is you know with a class that basically was all kind of futures except for those guys uh those guys they're on you know they're on campus they're part of they're in class they're in school so yeah they get to come back with the regular guy had that not happened it would really be difficult, I think. But you're right. I think the other 12 guys or whatever, uh, again, you could give them their red shirt right now uh, when yeah. they show up for practice because they're not playing this year. Yeah, if this was like a regular, quote-unquote, regular recruiting class, you know, like one that wasn't outside the top 50 that we've never seen before, maybe they would have let them come in earlier. But there probably wasn't as big of a concern uh, when it, you know, they just knew there was going to be a lot of people you're probably going to red shirt anyway. All right, uh, move on. Unfortunately, it's a it's a you know a depressing topic. It's just not one you want to have to talk about. You never want to talk about someone a 26 year old uh, passing away, and that's what happened to the USC community. Max Turek, and if you saw some of the former players and the Cody Kesslers of the world, everyone else that played with with Max, um, he passed away hiking with his family. 
you know, young kid. He was a third round draft pick and played in the NFL for a couple of years, uh, you know, four years at USC before getting injured his, his senior season. Dan, I know you wrote, uh, I mean, it's just a great column you wrote about Max from your days uh, covering him. I went back and looked up some of the stories that I did, you know, interviews with him and, you know, his versatility and just, he was just a great teammate. He was a great person to, to cover and, you know, he's going to be missed around the USC community. So I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, he was, he was such a lovable, I mean, it was like he was this lovable kid uh, from high school who just loved being there, loved his teammates, loved playing football. Uh, I think one of the things we maybe, you know, forget a little bit is he was so uh, technically gifted. His versatility, the the way he could, you know, whoever do we ever remember a guy that played essentially all four, uh, you know, all four of the five offensive line positions. Uh, uh, it's just amazing, uh, you know, two two tackle guard to center, and that. You know, he looked like when, when he, you know, switched to center that he'd been there all his life. I think we know now that's not that easy to do. He was this, uh, you know, he always had, you know, kind of this, you know, sweet grin on his face. And, and when he when you would talk to him after practice or games, it was like, you know, why do you want to talk to me? I'm not, you know, that, you know, anybody that special or whatever. But it was obvious his teammates uh, kind of both worshipped him and and expected him to be their leader. I mean, they looked up to him, uh, you know, and just th- there was just such a special way about him. I, I look back up at, at going into the senior year, and I think I think we did USCfootball.com asking what his uh, uh, what their senior goals were each of the guys, and he said you know, nothing individual at all. He, he his his lone goal was to win the Pac-12. That's it. Just boom, just like that. That's all. That was his only goal. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I, I would like to say, so, you know, he, he's obviously been having some difficulties and uh, had moved back home uh, for the last few months with his great parents, uh, Greg and Val. And uh, they were doing hikes every day, you know, his favorite places uh, you know on uh, in the Cleveland National Forest and near uh, you know Tribuco Canyon and to have you know have it happen the way it did uh, at the end of a hike and, and all of that um, it just you know you just feel so uh, so sorry you know for the family and uh, how difficult it must be uh, what a great family what a great and I think you felt a sense of the Trojan family coming together. And I know some of the guys said, boy, this tells us you got to keep in touch with everybody and you got to, you know, know what everybody's doing and how everybody's, uh, how everybody's getting along. And, and, and there's such a sense of loss, uh, you know, with Max, uh, you know, not being there. And I thought, you know, his family said it well, that there's a hole hole in, in their heart uh, with with what happened, and I said, you know, there's a hole in all of our hearts. I think we just, uh, you know, um, you know, Max was one of those heart guys where you just had that kind of um, personal connection and feeling, and you just felt like he was a member of of your family. I mean, he was just this, you know, this lovable, uh, lovable kid who wasn't afraid to be a leader. And uh, and had all the skill in the world. And I, I guess the th- thing I always remember at six five and plus probably, 
And his big goal was to get to 295 pounds. And I don't know if he ever completely made it when he was at USC, but he went on a 12,000 calorie a day diet just to try his, you know, almighty best way of of getting there. You can't even imagine 12,000 calories a day, but that's what, that's what he would do. And, you know, whatever he thought, you know, he needed to do. Uh, But, uh, Boy, he's going to be uh, his spirit, and is going to be missed, and and it's just such a such a sad deal. But boy, did he have a great run! At 38 straight games he started at USC, again at four different positions. And I still remember they they put him at tight end one game, and I can't even remember if he practiced at tight end and how I, I can't remember exactly how much he did there. But they needed another blocker, and they just you know, for something that they were running. I can't remember who the coach was or whatever. And he just went out there and smiled and, you know, okay, that's no big deal. And, and, and one of the reasons you couldn't remember what coach he played for, he played for four different coaches. I mean, uh, four different head coaches again, and it didn't seem to, you know, discombobulate Max at all. He just went, went right on through it. Same guy, you know, all the time. And, and just, uh, he'll be, very much missed by by all of us. Yeah. Skilly, do you have uh, any memories of I think that was you were a student, I think, when he was a student too, right? Yeah. So I associate Max with my first kind of entrance into USC football. I covered uh, the team for Annenberg before I started covering it for you guys, for you, Ryan. And um, just such a nice, sweet guy. I remember one time I was late to practice because I got out of class late, and I needed to have, like, a quota for the school of, like, interviews, and I just, like, ran over. I was like, Max, please, can you talk to me? Just so nice. Would just stay there, spend as much time as I needed, and I always felt like we kind of had, like, a bond just because we grew up in the same area. We went to rival high schools. Just the nicest guy, and and, in a big body, you know, it's just, like, that gentle teddy bear type of thing, and it, it was just so shocking and so sad uh, to just hear the news, and, you know, it's, it's, He's one year older than me. It definitely is shocking when you just, you know, never take a day for granted. Always tell the people you love that you love them. And it's just so sad. And, you know, best wishes and, and prayers for his family and everyone who knew him. But, yeah, I just I just remember he I, being young, being a young girl covering football, for college football for the first time in my life, looking up at those big guys and seeing this guy who was always so nice and always had time to do an interview for like a stupid school thing. It was just, it kind of spoke to who Max was and how nice of a guy he, he was. Yeah. If you look at some of the, the former players too, a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, I know the, uh, the Kessler family had put some stuff on Facebook, uh, you know, recently it took them a little while. So I know, you know, they were just, they were reeling from it. They were really close. Um, just so many players uh, were speaking out and it's, it's a shame. And, you know, I've started, you know, I like hiking and I, I was doing it a few years back and I stopped for a while and I started doing it again, doing some, some of the, you know, the bigger mountains here in Southern California. So I still plan to keep doing that through the summer. So I'll try to do a little, you know, I'll, I'll think about uh, Max when I'm doing some of these hikes and maybe try to do a little something special for him. But it's just, yeah, just so unfortunate. And, uh, you know, it was glad we got to know him when we did uh, just, you know, just wish he was still around. So, you know, the thoughts and prayers are for the, the Turk family and, um, I, I definitely recommend go read Dan's column. Uh, it was, it was really well done. And, uh, I think you definitely did it justice, Dan. Well, I mean, you, you couldn't write about Max and not, I mean, he was just, you know, there's, he, 
you know, all you had to do was just say, this is how it was. And, and it, it would come off looking, you know, like, wow, what a great kid, yeah. how much he'll be missed. It was just one of those, uh, the, you know, the worry when you do something like that is you can't, you won't do it, you know, him justice or, you know, you don't say it well enough because, you know, with somebody like Max, he deserves to have it said, uh, the you know, reflecting exactly what a special person, you know, he was. Yeah. Um, one other bit of news we got to get to before we uh, jump into some questions. I uh, got to sit down one-on-one with uh, Kyle Ford, USC's uh, redshirt freshman wide receiver. Uh, if you don't know, former five-star uh, Orange Lutheran receiver. And we saw him at the opening back in 2018 before his senior season. And he just, I don't remember a single better performance at a seven-on-seven tournament than than what he put in there. Uh, that was, you know, that's all stars from across the country. I think he caught like 15 or 16 touchdown passes over two days. It was ridiculous what he was able to do. Goes into senior year and a few games in, ends up, uh, you know, hurting his knee, ACL surgery, out for the rest of the year. So it was a bummer for for Kyle. Then gets to USC and still rehabbing and. By the fall, was able to to practice and and kind of work out with a team. In the last four games, he gets in, plays some special teams, catches a touchdown against uh, Oregon. So everyone just high expectations for him. He really bonded with uh, Keaton Slovis. And this offseason, season, uh, Keely Yor broke the story that ACL. You know, he he tore another ACL, his other ACL, and was going to be out for this season as well. And we had talked about it. I think I talked about it a little bit on the Harvey Hyde podcast, and he messaged me. Uh, you know, we follow each other on Twitter or whatever. We message a little bit and he was just so positive and you know, you normally you're not going to talk to someone that just blew out his knee and going to be out for the year. But I just kind of thought it would be a good idea to just talk with him because it was really this, he was just so positive about everything and, um, you know, asked USC and they gave the approval and, you know, it came right, you know, Clay Helton approved it. And, uh, we had him on, uh, yesterday and he was great. Uh, make sure you check that out. It's a, there's a podcast version of it also, the YouTube version of it. Um, he gives advice to any young player that's going through an injury. He talks about, you know, what he thinks, you know, he's doing a lot better. He's running around now and everything. It's crazy. It's probably, he's been injured for about a month or so. Um, but just his positive attitude, all he thinks he can come back stronger. Uh, it was just great for to talk to. I think it was, hopefully it was therapeutic for him, but it was great for us to kind of get a glimpse of, you know, what this, you know, guys going into a second year of college and is already dealing with a second major knee injury was never injured before in his life. And now he's got these two big ones, but his attitude towards what he was going to do to, to come back and be stronger and, and help this team. It was just impressive to me. So I don't, I can start with you, Keely, and we'll get Dan, your thoughts on that. I was really impressed by his attitude. That was something where, you know, I was trying to get the story vetted by other people. And when I told them, they were like, Oh no, poor kid. You know, everyone felt so bad for him. And then on the tunnel vision, he was like, hey, don't feel bad for me. I don't feel bad for myself. So he was just so motivating. And towards the end, when you asked him, Ryan, like, what would you tell an athlete who's been injured? He ended up motivating me. It was just like he just has such a great head on his shoulders. Um, and so I'm glad that he is looking at this positively because, I mean, that's big to come back from, from two ACL surgeries. Um, so I thought it was interesting, though. Ryan, you asked about, like, did he feel like his other knee was imbalanced? And he kind of suggested that that's kind of what happened. The whole process of how he found out, he was still walking around uh, with his knee, with his ACL torn until he got news. They were like, yeah, you tore it. So it was interesting the way it happened because he said it, it was something like the kind of 
and he added in his senior year. So get info on that was interesting, Ryan. What did you think about it? What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I uh, I think they should uh, uh, maybe give him a special status this year as an assistant co- a player coach. I mean, he was uh, his uh, maturity and his uh, upbeat uh, nature and uh, you know competitiveness to to get through this and not let it throw him. Back. I, I was just truly uh, blown away uh, by uh, you know we could say well we got to talk to him during the year and it's not a surprise or whatever. But nobody got to talk to him until you talked to him after the second one. And to see that how he's handling it, that, that's truly amazing. I, I'm just uh, I'm blown away. And I'm, my hope there is that maybe this will, you know, in a program where you've just got so many good receivers, maybe this, you know, turns out, uh, you know, for the better, where you're able to now back uh, Kyle off a year and you're able to, you know, work him in uh, as the older guys leave and work him in as that, you know, leader of the the next group of really, really good, good wide receivers at USC. So, um, you know, looking at this, uh, you know, in a positive way that, you know, because here's a kid, I think when you throw the ball the way USC is throwing it now and with a Keaton Slovis to throw it, you've got a kid who basically, as you said, that one day, that you know that he caught those 15 or 16 touchdown passes that one weekend he was clearly too athletic for the guys that were athletic and you know small and quick enough to stay with him he was just too big and strong for the guys that were big and strong enough to try to contend with him he was way too athletic he's just a you know kind of a walking mismatch and uh, the kind of thing that you think you know this this air raid attack of Graham Harrell's is going to be able, uh, you know, to really exploit. So uh, as much as, you know, he'll be missed, when he comes back, you get the sense that he'll even be more uh, more valuable uh, coming back uh, to be able to be used the way uh, he's going to be able to be used. Yeah. So we wish him the best uh, speed of recovery. He was, he was just awesome to talk to. Uh, we've been really lucky, I think, with our lunch with the Trojan stuff. This, this came out of the COVID you know, quarantine, we've started to do these one-on-one interviews, but being able to talk to a player or a coach or former player for 40 minutes or so straight up, I think it gives the fans a, a great opportunity to kind of meet, you know, who these people really are. And I think we've, I think we've made a lot of fans. There are a lot of uh, Cal Ford fans after that interview. Uh, all right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, answer your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. We do have one voicemail today. I'm going to play it for you, and then we'll get to some of the email questions with Keely. But first up, we got one of our buddies. Hey, Ryan, it's Curtis from Moreno Valley. So let's get uh, logical about COVID and the football season or any kind of sport, to be honest. COVID is not in the air. It's only in the air around six feet from a person who has COVID, who can spread COVID. So if the whole team, referees and coaches, have a negative COVID test before they touch that field. You don't need to clean the ball in between every time somebody touches it. If they're working out, you wouldn't need to wipe down the weights. There's no COVID to catch. If everybody tests negative in that certain environment, nobody can get it. I don't care how much they sweat, spit, or holler, scream, cough, sneeze, whatever. If they they don't have it, they can't get it. What's your thoughts? Um, Curtis, I, I think one of the issues might be uh, the thought that there's a false negative and there are obviously false negatives. Um, and you have a, uh, an asymptomatic person. Uh, you know, you could hypothetically come up with a situation where where you could spread it in an environment where everybody does assume that everybody's been tested and everybody is uh, is, is doing fine. Uh you could spread it pretty quickly, and and that's what you really don't want with a football team. I mean, you talk about, um, and this is not political, but just uh, an example of something on the uh, uh, weekend uh, uh, President Trump visit to Tulsa, when I think uh, two Secret Service and, uh, boy, I'm hearing up to six maybe, other people who were staffing that, uh, you know, came down with it and obviously those people are tested and what have you but uh if you're working in that kind of a close environment let's say somebody uh, you know from the time they were tested let's say if it's every week or whatever uh come down with it between you know a time where everybody's working close together and all that you could have some issues and and you know i know they're they're talking about in college football uh scenarios where how do you protect the quarterback at the end of the week to make sure he doesn't, you know, come down with, you know, with anything before they test them before the, you know, weekend's game? Or how do you make sure you don't have both offensive line groups, let's say, in the same place? So if one of them, you know, somebody tests positive, does that knock the whole group out? Then do you have a backup group and all that? You know, there there are some real questions about how people are going to try to manage their rosters uh, in the safest possible way. I know there are people kidding, and I'm not sure if it's total kidding about the fact that with Alabama and LSU and Clemson having uh, numbers of in the 20s, uh, for some of them, I guess, uh, of testing positive already, that in their minds, that could be the good news because all of those people probably are going to have the antibodies and they're not going to test positive again uh, you know, during the fall. So are all those people cleared, you know, for the rest of the year and they don't have to worry about them at all? Uh, you know, there, there are some, I think, some issues as to how that 
is all going to proceed. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we know how teams are going to decide. You know, uh, somebody came down with uh, COVID on the golf tour. What are they going to do? Okay, well, they're going to keep playing, apparently. Uh, with tennis, how are they going to? How are they going to deal with it? You got no number one player in the world came down with it after having his own tournament and not agreeing that, you know, that it's much of a big deal at all. And then uh, Novak uh, Djokovic comes down with uh, with COVID and his wife and and three or four of the players that were at his tournament. So I don't think we know how this is going to play out, but I don't think we can dismiss it. Yeah, and it's not a thing. This isn't the NBA. I mean, you're talking about 100 college football players across whatever 130 fbs teams um they got girlfriends they got i mean they, they have lives they're not in a bubble and you can't like you it's not like instantaneous test where before everyone takes the field we're going to test everybody and you're, you're all together they're together for a long period of time the nba is trying to do that and you can do that with you know whatever 15 guys on a roster and some essential personnel but they're putting dudes in a bubble for for months and some players aren't even going to do it because they have, you know, the Lakers point guard's not going to go because he has a, a child that has asth- asthmatic issues or respiratory issues. Uh, I mean, putting in a bubble is one thing. I think if you're in a bubble, yes, in theory, it doesn't matter. You don't need to, you shouldn't wear a mask if everyone's in the bubble and everyone's fine. Um, but that's not going to be the case in college football. Uh, Keely, any thoughts on that? And we'll jump to the other questions. Yeah. I mean, the problem is that exactly what you said, Ryan. You can all test negatively, but then if anyone goes to CVS to get something, goes to the grocery store, you never know where you could pick it up or, or where you could come in contact, and then you have a possibility of t- testing positive after that. I mean, it's it's it wouldn't be a- illegal because you can do things in the, in LA County, but it's still you have a chance of of getting positive. It's like Ryan said, you're not in a bubble. I mean, even if you look at uh, the Orlando Pride, which is the National Women's Soccer League, some of the the players on that team went to a bar in Florida, which is not illegal. They're allowed to go to a bar, but they tested positive, and now the team had to withdraw for the tournament. So you can't put college students in a bubble, and so thus it's not you. You can't negate that they could test positive. Does that make sense? I'm rambling. Yeah, I think the, the point is you can't put them in a bubble, but yeah, I hope they don't spend a lot of time at the bars either. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of that, and I think they. That was really well done in the announcement yesterday with Mike Bone with his, uh, you know, pretty much plea for uh, players to understand you're coming back uh, voluntarily and you've got to you owe an obligation to your team and to your teammates. And you've really got to, you know, when you're off campus and, you know, you're on your own time, you really have to be, uh, you know, considerate of. Of what what would happen if you if you get sick or if you not sick maybe but if you get infected and bring it back and infect others so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out uh, yeah. you know with college students I mean it's easy to feel like you're invincible if you're a college student if you're a college football player in a lot of ways you you know for most of them they are uh, to this point in their lives and uh, uh, how that's uh, how that can play out I don't think we know. Yeah. So we got a text from the real duck hunter who says, "Will we see Pala Ie Naotote and Sol- Solomon Tuialapupu play together this year?" I think we will. I mean, I think you know, I, I'm. I really think Solomon. You know, again with that Liz Frank fracture in his foot, 
me in those things. You've seen them so many times that you've got these big, strong guys that are tough and, and ready to go. And they've got this little fracture that, you know, doesn't get a lot of, you know, blood supply, doesn't heal very well. And it's so frustrating. Uh, it sure sounds like he's in a, he's in a really good place. I mean, he looks like, I mean, when he walks by, he looks like he ought to be in the NFL. I mean, he just got that, you know, there's a middle linebacker if there ever was one. I'd like to see Pally, you know, I, I made this clear before that I think Pally is playing a little bit out of position ever, whenever he's in the middle. Uh, I, you'd like to see him on one edge or the other and just bring him and, uh, you know, like a, you know, guided missile uh, into the middle of the backfield and, you know, that's hard to figure out exactly how to do that really well. Uh, but that's what you'd like to see with him. Uh, just he's so, you know, physical and he can come in at a low angle. He, he's tough to block and you just got to get him in the right place looking for the right thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd, you'd like to see both of them out there. there. There are a lot of guys on that defense who can play. Maybe they haven't played, but the potential is there, and those are two guys that make it clear how much potential this defense has if they get if they get squared away, if they get everybody back, and they get to doing the right things. Yeah, I think we're right. going to see them play together. Um, when I talked to uh, Kyle Ford and I asked, like, who is going to breakout guy going to be, he said Solo. He said Solo to Al Pupu. Uh, I, my my thing all along has been I think USC really underutilized their linebackers under Clancy Pendergast system seemed to just be more of a defensive back focused group and Todd Orlando's a linebacker guy I think you're going to see some of those studs like Pallier and Solo just go out and kill it this year so yeah I think you're going to see them play together. That's why I was almost cutting you off Ryan. We actually got a text from Curtis who says Ryan is right about the linebackers. USC should have more sacks, turnovers, all this talent, no excuses. So we have someone backing up your linebacker uh, uh, prediction. Wait, hold on. So Curtis like <laughs> liked something I said? He did. Right. Shocking, so he agreed with – okay, very mm-hmm. good. All right. Well, I mean, talking about things to like, just the fact that Todd Orlando's defense has the ability to blitz from 10 of the 11 spots on defense. I mean, that. I think that's really in these kids' head that they're going to let you do uh, what you do best. And, and you know, however USC's recruiting has gone, they don't get players on defense who are like read and react guys. They mostly get guys that are go out and make play guys and, uh, and, and come after them and go get them. And uh, I think this he's going to – uh, you know, Todd, his defense is going to go in that direction to let the guys that want to go get them, go get them. Now, you know, you take some chances when you do that. But uh, if you're good enough going to, going and getting them, uh, you know, it's not as, as big a chance. But this will be a, a little bit more of a high, re- high risk and high reward, uh, you know, kind of a defense. Um, so and that's where you got to get that secondary really, really, uh, you know, precise and, and coach them up. And, and, you know, you got to coach them up at every level. But uh, uh, we just I think we all can't wait to see what's this defense going to look like. 
We have a couple more questions. Uh, we had two on a similar topic. Lamar from the desert says, "Hope you all hope you all are safe." Different topic for discussion. We love tradition and the Trojan brand, but I'd like for the school to outfit the football team in gold helmets and pants uh, with sheen, with no change in jersey concepts, a little like the 49ers. Put aside the get off my lawn mental approach to change. Do you think this would be a great look? And then the real duck hunter sent another text that said, "Any chance of an alternate uniform this year?" Uh, you know, I kind of like the fact that the 49ers are one of the classic uniforms that, you know, I can remember the first time you ever saw them, you know, in my case, a long time ago, that they're still wearing those same uniforms and the Packers and whatever. I think those are classic. If I were had a choice between uh, USC looking like the 49ers or the 49ers looking like USC, I'd recommend the 49ers change to the USC look. I think USC's you know, got that classic look uh, that says USC football, uh, you know, from for the last half century uh, plus. And they don't need to they don't need to come up with any more more looks. They just don't. That let Oregon do that. You know, that's not USC. That's not USC's thing. And I mean, uh, for example, Notre Dame has got one of the absolute classic looks in the history of college football. And yet every year they do some alternate alternate uniform that's just a disaster. I mean, you know, they put pinstripes on or they bring out the, you know, green jerseys with tube socks or whatever. It just puts shamrocks on the helmet, you know, just really, really dumb stuff. And USC doesn't need to do that. I mean, you know, you haven't put your your names on the back of the jersey and you don't need to go uh, alternate look at all. Remember the chrome helmets. Remember the Ronald McDonald shoes, uh, the black socks. Every one of those is just a disaster. USC doesn't need to to go there. Yeah. Um, for for Lamar, I, I don't think I'm old enough to be a get off your lawn guy. Maybe I'm getting close, <laughs> but uh, I agree with Dad on this one. I am not a big uniform guy. When they if they came out and like rainbow colored socks i probably wouldn't even notice like that's not stuff like people are like oh those are black oh their shoelaces the tips of them are blue like oh, i don't i don't notice that stuff but i do notice gold helmets because usc's big rivals us ucla and notre dame both are gold helmets like you don't <laughs> want to wear a gold helmet against what you're, you you just stay away from that so i would say i'm not going to chime in on what you want for a uniform i'd rather not have the the names on the back I'd rather keep some of those traditions alive, but to me, gold helmets would be an awful idea. Maybe someone younger like Keely would agree. I don't know. Keely, what are your thoughts? But I would say X nay on the gold helmets. <laughs> I'm a no on the gold helmets. However, to play devil's advocate and maybe a hot take, I think you have to have some variety. Like maybe just a not a weird, but like something different so that you can appreciate the classic uniforms more because i feel like it gets a little stale if you see it all the time whereas like if you have an alternate you wear one game a year then the, the other the normal the classic looks good when you get back to it i don't know just a thought no, I, i'm fine with that just not a gold helmet like that's yeah, that's, sure, a bad, that's, that's a bad yeah sorry lamar yeah. But that's just a terrible uh, idea yeah yeah i'll say that you know notre dame pretty much uh, i'd like the, the ones that are still wearing the same i mean lsu for example they haven't changed that look. They've modernized it a little bit and whatever, but that's been the LSU look forever since Billy Cannon played there. And they were, you know, uh, famous for their uh, third team Chinese bandits, for God's sake. Uh, you know, uh, Auburn hasn't changed. Alabama hasn't changed. Georgia hasn't changed. Uh, 
I, I just, I, you know, Clemson has a chance. I just like, uh, you know, uh, a team that has, and I don't think they've gotten it right in that group is, say, Tennessee or Kentucky. You see those teams changing their look, changing their look. It just, I don't think it works. I think, you know, be good enough that people come to watch you beat somebody, not to look at your uniforms. That's my tech. Yeah. Shall we go to our final email? Yes, Abraham? finish it up, Keely. Okay, it's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962. It says, hi, Keely, Dan, and Ryan. As an older person who doesn't access social media comfortably, can I give you my five-star rating by email? So nice. Thank you. He says, I truly look forward to the three of you weekly because your take on USC football is always insightful and most of all truthful. I really appreciate the comments last episode about the qualities needed by any future head coach. Dan, am I right in understanding that college athletes can retain their eligibility while being a professional in another sport? I believe that this is this most happens with football players who are signed to a minor league baseball contract. I believe that Russell Wilson was a pro baseball player while still in college. Have any USC players taken advantage of this if possible? P.S. The distinction between pro- professional and amateur status was blurred long ago by the, the Olympics and the major tennis championships. If Andre DeGrasse, Michael Norman, and Raj Benjamin had been allowed to run their senior year at USC... USC would have had another track championship. They couldn't get paid and run at USC, but they could get paid and run in, in the Olympics. Yeah, I, I think USC's uh, multiple, you know, sports players who played like a, a Mike Garrett who played outfield uh, and Jack Del Rio was a catcher on teams that won national championships in baseball. Uh, I think those guys came along too soon, maybe for for them to benefit from that. Uh, I was trying to think. Um, uh, has that even anybody been close? And I, I really there was can't. a there was like a speedy receiver, or maybe what that that Pete Carroll recruited. I can't remember his name, but I think he came from. He might have played baseball, but like uh, John David Booty's uh, older brother Josh, like won a World Series with the Tampa Bay Marlins, and then played quarterback at LSU after that. So it's yeah. mostly uh, you can keep your eligibility. Like you can go into the minor league system first. It's not like you're going to school like he was a baseball player and then came to school afterwards. I don't I don't think he started at LSU and then left to be a minor league baseball player. It's mostly like you go play baseball and then you can come back and 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 use your football eligibility. My understanding. Yeah, my fo- the most I, I recall that I was covering Notre Dame and um, they were playing Michigan in the opener, basically. And Michigan had this heralded uh, home, you know, a Michigan guy who uh, had already signed a big Yankees contract named Drew Henson. I think it was a third baseman. Uh, he was also a quarterback and uh, wasn't that good a quarterback, but he was by far the biggest name high school recruit out of Michigan in years. And so he gets the, uh, the starting nod at Notre Dame and doesn't get much done. I still remember sitting there in the press box and they bring in their backup quarterback, a uh, freshman named, uh, Tom Brady, and I'm starting to scream and say, wait a minute, this guy's not starting? Are you kidding me? It was like Tom Brady was Tom Brady then, actually. Uh, but, uh, but he took uh, a backseat, and it's hard to even imagine I think about that because here's this kid from, you know, Sarah. I guess he went – did he go to Sarah? He went to – yeah, Sarah in uh, San Mateo. And instead of staying in California, he goes to Michigan where they're trying to keep him on the bench. And you think, gosh, what if USC would have recruited Tom Brady? And uh, apparently USC wasn't that interested in Tom Brady 
would have been a nice uh, nice recruit. But uh, but sometimes those guys that are getting the big baseball money um, uh, make it hard to, to, to kind of beat them out because it's such a – I guess the kid from Oklahoma, uh, what, Kyler Murray, right, he had a big baseball contract as well. And uh, sometimes that publicity is – it's too much to you know overcome, but I don't, I, I can't even begin to think of a USC player uh, that's a, been a bonus baby in another sport. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind. If you, you probably you don't remember anything, Keely, but <laughs> no, <laughs> before your time. Yep. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who that recruit was for Pete Carroll. I, I think he might have just been a JC guy. Maybe he wasn't uh, a baseball player or something. But there was someone. Yeah, God, I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think we've seen that as much, uh, at USC, but, uh, who knows, but thanks for the, uh, the question, Dan, any, anything else you guys got? That's it for me. Yeah. Let's just get it going here. USC <laughs> time yeah. to go, time to go. Uh, I, I, and, and I think it's interesting. There's no like time they're going to start today because it looks like with the way it has to be spread out and all you have to have appointments to do everything and all of that, you got to be thinking they're going from early. Uh, once they get enough people on campus, they're going to be going from early in the morning to late at night almost with, uh, you know, the limitations in numbers and, and limitations and other things that, that they can do. It's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of scheduling that's going into this. I can't even imagine uh, who's doing all the schedules for, you know, you're not allowed in until, you know, until your time and you got to have a wristband that indicates your, you know, what your time is and you got to wear one of those uh, rings that the NBA guys are, you know, wearing to kind of tell what your, uh, you know, temperature and all the other things. Yeah. Those look cool. I think John Wilner pointed it out that the PAC 12 should do that. Like get these, basically it's like, it's a ring that'll predict, the symptoms and, or yeah, like if you have COVID, so like, it's uh like, I guess you can do it like 72 hours before you, you know, even show signs or something like it's pretty good at predicting that. So it'd be expensive, but that would be interesting if all those students had it. Yeah. A lot of yeah. stuff going on that we, uh, we almost can't even guess how it's all going to turn out or what's going to be really important and what's not going to be important and what you're going to say, ah, oh, that's not worth doing. Let's do this or, Whatever. I mean, all those plans are, you know, USC had a lot in that uh, announcement of this is what we're going to do through the phases. But, I mean, you're talking about what the NBA put out, 113-page booklet. The uh, uh, Major League Baseball was more than 100 pages. I mean, Major League Baseball has got it down to you can't approach an umpire and argue. If you do, they're going to suspend you. You have to keep your distance. I mean, you can't spit. I can't even imagine. (laughs) baseball and you can't spit i mean (laughs) it's like oh man i mean so uh this is a different world we're living through folks yeah you can i think you can bring like a damp towel as a pitcher so you don't have to like wet your fingers with your saliva like there's some weird stuff going on but yeah it's weird uh but we're getting a little closer potentially to sports baseball basketball college football and nfl so We'll keep you up to date on what we know. And uh, like we said, USC players back on campus. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to Keeley, Dan Weber, and all of you out there. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, 
interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 